Welcome to Live Boldly with Sarah, a guide through trauma, personal healing, growth, and discovery leading to the ultimate life of joy, mental wellness, and less fear. As a single mother, certified coach in transitional change and adventure, I will share my personal traumas and help you with steps to be free of whatever internal or external chains are keeping you from enjoying this life. My guests and I go beyond the typical conversation as they share their inspirational journeys. And every other week, I bring you my solo episodes where I highlight issues or ahas that I know you are going through too. From relationships, aspirations that have seemed impossible, motherhood, friendships, work, transitions, inertia, depression, my wish is this forum can help you through all of this and more. My mission is to create a supportive community and connection that empowers each one of you to love yourself and believe you're right to live boldly. Hey, Britt, I'm excited to have you on the podcast. We are going to be talking about getting unstuck. Yes. This is like my dance space. This is my dance space. Um, You and I know each other. Let's first start there. Everybody needs to grab their journal while you're also listening to this intro. You and I know each other. We met through uh, speaking, right? Through our, you're an impact 11. I'm an impact 11. And I did this whole reach out into, hey, listen, I'm now on um, cloud 10. I'm on iHeartRadio and I want to interview people that can help people within my audience to rise into the space of, well, for us right now, it's getting unstuck, what we're going to be talking about. And I'm excited. I'm super stoked to have you here. You're like a, you're like a ball of energy, by the way. I've listened to some <laughs> of your, I've listened to some of your other podcast episodes. I'm like, oh, this is going to be fun. Oh, that's so funny. I had a massive like girl colleague crush on you at Impact 11. So what? I could not, I'm like, she's so cool. That's the woman who climbs the things and does all the really cool stuff. So it goes into the woods. So yay. I'm so happy to be here. Oh my gosh. I was just interviewed on another podcast a couple days ago and, or maybe it was even yesterday. I don't know. My days are all floating together. And she's like, I met you or I saw you at such and such a place. And I was like, that's the girl that blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh my God, I love the fact that I love hearing stuff like that. And at the same time, I'm just like, it makes me laugh. It just makes <laughs> me laugh. It just makes me laugh. Okay. So let's talk about you. Like, how did you get into, first of all, this whole space of getting unstuck? You wrote a book about it. This is your life. I want to hear a little bit about your past because, you know, in the last episode that I did listen to a couple of episodes that you, where you've been interviewed and you talk a little bit about this journey of self-exploration that you had, but I want you to share about you and what got you to this space. So it's funny. So front facing my sort of, here's my shiny resume is I'm a licensed neuropsychotherapist and I'm a trauma expert and I have letters after my name and blah, blah, blah. But <laughs> my sort of sorted, I don't publicly show, not, well, I didn't used to. My sorted backstory is I'm a recovering addict, basically a recovering train wreck disaster of a human masquerading as a functional adult. I fell into the category of people where I still showed up for work every day, even though I was doing drugs at night, even though relationships were like Dateline NBC reality shows had nothing on the chaos and drama in my personal relationships. So the kind of gross, gritty, shameful backstory became my professional credibility. So I find it whole. It's like, yeah, I went to Duke and I have, you know, credentials and advanced postgrad training, but people like to come to me because I smoke meth and I have a potty mouth. So I, I can do both sides of the couch. 
whatever you need. God, I just, so, and I love that. Like I, I, I didn't know that about you, by the way, I just, <laughs> I'm like literally earlier today, I'm putting my tree up. Right. And I'm like listening to these episodes and getting to know a little bit more about you as people are interviewing you. I'm like, wait, what? Like hanging up the tree, like, wait, what? Like hanging shit up. I'm like, she, what? Like, I didn't know that. It's and so you know, I, but this is, I think it's important for people to understand this because this is how far that you've come. And do you ever look back and just sit there and go, whoa, like this is, this is wild, this life that I have had. Uh, every day I am exceedingly grateful for the life that I now have. I still have some kind of, obviously those cringy shakes my head. What was I thinking kind of moments, but fortunately I've built an entire career out of understanding what was I thinking moments. And so I was in the, in the business world before becoming a therapist. I didn't become a therapist till my thirties. And so now I have the information that helps explain the, what were you thinking stuff, which is great because now I can help people who don't know the things that I wish I had known, help them know what I didn't know essentially. And yeah, I, it's a wild, I wouldn't trade it. I don't regret anything about it, but I wouldn't want to relive any of it. So, you know, yay. And I don't think everything happens for a reason. I don't think trauma makes you strong. I think you're strong and trauma just couldn't knock you out. But, um, you know, like, wow, life is, uh, life is bananas weird. It really is. You know, I, I, cause I also, that whole phrase, like, oh, well, it's all happening for a reason. And aren't you glad you went through that? And I'm like, no, no. I wouldn't, I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. I wouldn't wish that on anyone. However, I'm really proud of myself for having that strength and that courage and that determination to continue getting quote unstuck, right? Every single time and using those tools that I needed that were there available and accessing them. Like we all have those damn tools, but it's about accessing them and actually using them to go climb the mountains and do the things that you want in life. And for you, quite literally, and which is quite literally like super literal for you. Yeah, it is. It is. Okay. So let's dive into this whole space of getting unstuck. Cause I know that there are many people who, and myself included sometimes where I also fall in line with those same patterns, getting stuck in the same patterns every single day. Um, I'm 50 and which is like really awesome. I have to say for those of you that are coming up on 15 and are afraid of it, let me tell you, I got to tell like, freedom to express what you choose. My dad's laughing because my dad, my dad and I have been playing rummy every single night he's visiting right now. And we talk about that. And and he's like, you know, you've worked really hard to get to this place. Don't, don't give it up. Like, don't just give it up for anything. I'm like, dad, I'm 50. Like that's always my, <laughs> that's always my phrase back. Dad, I'm 50. Don't worry. Like <laughs> I've lived through the hard years. So, but I want to like dive into that, like this, 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 this whole space of getting unstuck. Tell us a little bit more about it. So I called the book, the science of stuck and not the science of trauma or the science of addiction, because not everyone identifies as having some sort of catastrophic mental health crisis. And that's great, but everyone, everyone with a pulse to some degree knows what it's like to feel stuck. We get stuck with money, with relationships, with body image, with habits, with patterns, with ways of thinking, with people pleasing, the list goes on, but everyone has a stuck point or a sticky area. And I was both relieved and horrified to discover that life's not simple. And I'm certainly not saying snap your fingers, just add water, stir, and everything gets better. However, our brains are like a car. And if you know how to drive, life works better. It's amazing to me that we all walk around with these amazing cars 
and none of us were taught how to drive it. I'm like, where's the owner's manual? I didn't need algebra. I needed nervous system 101. I didn't need like X plus Y equals whatever. No disrespect to the math people. I get math's important, but I needed to know that my amygdala was like freaking out all day and that I was not crazy. And there are ways of changing it, which is amazing. The brain, if you have a brain, your brain can change, which is very cool. Yeah. Okay. So tell us a little bit more about that. When you say your brain can change, because I've, I've experienced trauma brain and it's a real thing. It's a thing. Uh, It's a thing. The complex PTSD, it's a thing. So are you saying that you can actually alter that or change it or shift it? So that is, well, okay. My disclaimer here, and it's so important to me, especially in the like Insta expert world that we live in. My disclaimer is all of my information assumes that you are relatively safe and that you have access to your basic needs. If you're in the middle of a war-torn country where you do not know where your next meal is coming from. I am not talking, that's not being stuck. That's being in an oppressive environment. So assume that we've solved for safety. That's my disclaimer there. So with all of that said, you know, often we get stuck because we don't know that we can change our brain. And I have complex PTSD too. I describe it as, because people will say, well, you can't change the past. What's the point of doing any of this work? You can't change the past. Great. But think of the past like a closet. And when you open the closet door, all of the paint cans are falling on your head and everything is sliding down the shelves. The stuff in the closet is not going anywhere, but this work that we do is like the container store and we can build bins and shelves and labels and create an organization in the closet that does not cause it to fall on you every time you look at it. So am I cured? Do I never get triggered? Of course not. I'm still very human and have very human meltdown moments, but you can change how the past is stored in your brain. So you are not dominated by it. And so your choices are not fully being driven by all that stuff. Like we can organize the closet. Oh, that is such a brilliant way of putting it. When I was, I, I, this was my experience with complex PTSD. The moment that I found everything out within my life that like literally like blew my brain out and, and truly it felt like for me, like my entire brain just exploded. My emotional heart, like my heart was just like broken and shattered into a thousand pieces. My body was storing this energy that I'm like flight, fight, freeze, right? Like you're just, but the brain, I'll never forget that where my thoughts could not stop. It was like taking, okay, for, I'm going to age myself, the Rolodex, right? In the library. (laughs) And you know, you pull out that you pull up the card catalog and you have like the Rolodex, right? And the Rolodex just went, all my thoughts just got thrown onto the floor and nothing made sense. And for the longest time, I felt like I was living in this constant rumination of my past where it was like, how do I move forward? How do I get unstuck from my thoughts? How do I get unstuck from my patterns, from my codependency, from the way that I was taught and actually unbeknownst to me created to live, right? When in reality, that wasn't even me. Which was the really the coolest part about coming out of my trauma was finding this new version of me that I never knew existed. Which is also the terrifying part because my my trauma was terrifying, but when faced with who am I, what do I think, what do I want? I didn't like that. So I joined a cult where I could be told what to do and what to think and who to be, which was unsustainable and I don't recommend it, but the doing the work, seriously, like legit, but I I fully did. Like I fully lived in like Northern California, joined a cult, did weird fringy 
stuff. And it wasn't a murder cult and it wasn't a sex cult. They're not all murder sex cults, but there are the cult life is a long spectrum onto which many groups fall. I was in a pretty, a pretty fringy one, but I loved being told who you are, what you do. This is what, if you eat this and think this and read this. And if you use this very special language that we all use, we will love you. You will matter. You will belong. And that was a just add water and stir offer. Of course it's counterfeit. It doesn't work. It's not sustainable, but I do understand the appeal when you watch all those documentaries and you're like, how could those people have been so stupid? I would never do something that's stupid. It's like anywhere where there is unaddressed pain and unskillful knowledge or gaps in your knowledge, you are susceptible to manipulation from anything. And so it was very humbling to realize, nope, like sure aren't like anybody can fall prey. Anybody with unresolved pain in any area could fall prey to that kind of thing. And so sure, I'll tell people that I was in a cult. Great. I didn't want to find out who I was. Until I did. And that was an, that was an easier hard than the hard of the other stuff. Wow. Wow. I keep learning these new things about you. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> My cult became dolphins and whales and being in the middle of nowhere <laughs> where I was being chased by sharks. Um, anyhow, <laughs> which literally did happen. Uh, so let's, I know, I know, I know the things that happen. Uh, so let's dive into the, how did you, how did you get unstuck from all of this? How do, how do you give us, like, give us some dive into that? Like, how did you take those steps? Well, right now I'm stuck on how we compare toxic people to sharks. I'm like, sharks are beautiful and they're glorious and they're not, they're not trying to be terrifying beasts. So I don't like the comparison of toxic people to sharks, but anyway, I digress. How did I get unstuck? So I bebopped between drug addiction and relational addiction and religious addiction and codependence and eating disorders. And they're all, I mean, with varying degrees of consequence, they're all basically the same thing birthed from the same need. And like anything, when everything stops working and there's nobody left to buy your BS, including myself, Mm -hmm. that's when the change point became possible. Change window only opened when I was willing to stop lying to myself about myself. And as long as I found someone or something to tell me I was okay, I could keep lying to myself. Not that you're doing that. If you're listening, this is me. Um, I was totally full of it. And I didn't, you know, it was painful and scary to look at the reality of my life and the things that I didn't choose and the things that I chose in reaction to the things I didn't choose. And the heart of looking at it is so much easier than the heart of avoiding it. I truly believe that. Like it's hard either way. It's hard to do the work. It's hard not to do the work. Doing the work is a better hard than not doing it. So one of the podcast episodes that I listened to, you made a comment that I love and I live by this. And it's about, it's the ability to hold multiple truths at the same time Mm -hmm. and how you have to be able to, like you can hold, for example, grief and joy at the same time. My mom passed away. I could still hold the joy of the moments that we had together at the same time that I was holding the grief of her loss, right? And I think that so often we think that we have to compartmentalize, put it away, just like we were talking about, right? Like that you get triggered and then these things happen again, but then how, does that mean that we're just gonna fall back into the prey of who we once were? No, that doesn't mean that. And that we can actually hold all these different parts of us. So let's dive into that piece because I think that we so often forget that. We think that we have to be happy as like only happy. Well, no, every single freaking day I have happiness and sad and anger and remorse and love and lust and joy and gratitude, like all of it, mm-hmm. anger, 
like anger is a big one for me. I, 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 I too have found that most of my, a lot of my times where I have pushed forward has been from that space of just being, you know, like I'm done, I'm done. I'm done being this way. I'm done feeling this way. Let's just move forward. So let's dive into that piece. And that's really what being stuck is, you know, it's being locked into this one state, whether it's unhappiness or depression or anger or jealousy. I'm not talking about the medical clinical kinds of stuff. I'm talking about just the day-to-day life stuff. Um, We're not supposed to achieve some steady state of bliss. Like while we're human, the goal is not happiness. The goal is the ability to shift between states with all of them being able to coexist. I'm a good person and I'm a really terrible person and I'm a giver and I'm a taker and I'm happy and I'm pissed. All true. We get a case of the yes, buts often like the, well, yeah, but, and then we negate it. And stuck turns into unstuck as soon as you find that you can shift between states. You know, the things we we call personality traits, laziness, unmotivated, I'm just not a person who takes big risks. Those aren't personality traits. Those are body states. And learning how to drive your brain allows you to shift between the states. They don't go away. You're just able to shift back and forth. And that renders you mobile. When you can shift, it's like driving a stick shift. You know, you can you can drive in traffic on hills, wherever you need to go if you know how to shift. But if you don't, you're going to break the car. But that's not because the car is bad. How many people that I have sat with, phenomenal, amazing people that are convinced that the car, their brain is broken. It's like, it's not broken. You're just out of gas. Here's the gas tank. Get out. I'll help you push. Let's fill it back up. Like it's not you. And it's not that the car is bad. It's that there's information missing that if you had it, you could then use it to mobilize towards whatever you wanted to do. Again, once you solve for safety and mobility and all that, but it's, it, no, like, this is not who you are. Who you are is changeable. Your brain is malleable. We Science has shown this over and over and over. The brain you have now is not the brain you're stuck with forever. If you're here and you have safety and willingness and access to choice, we can change almost anything. Not people. You can't change other people. That's a bummer. I was so pissed about that. Like, wait, surely I can change other people armed with this great info. No, you cannot do that. But you can change a lot of things, you know. So what about the, okay, also me being 50 and going through uh, menopause, right? And, and having, and I just, I think back to all my, I think back into my life of when I was a little kid all the way through and how my own brain has changed because of the different things that I've lived through and because of also the chemical imbalance balances that we go through as women um, and men, like, let's just face it, right? We all do. How do you best utilize that? How do you best utilize the fact that your brain is also changing as your body, your emotions, your mind, your body, you know, everything, your life shifts. And this goes to old school, 12 step serenity prayer stuff. What is it that I can change? What is it that I can't? And having the wisdom to know the difference, because if you are only focused, I know for me, when I was only focused on what I could not change, this very long menu list of things that I could was completely inaccessible to me. So we want to start with not what can't you change? We want to know what are your choices? If you are estrogen deficient, do you have choices for that? You may, you may not. If you have 
options of doing hormone therapy. Is that an option for you? If it's not, then great. This is what it is. What are our choices within the parameters that we're in? Because once we tee up our choice points, then we can get to a yes. And as soon as you get to a yes, boom, you're no longer stuck. I sat with a doctor recently talking about this and he goes, I can hand you every single thing. Here is your manual on what to do. But if you're not going to do anything with it, what do you have? Just a manual, a bunch of papers in your hand. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do? How do you, in your daily life, we were talking right before this and I was asking like, what are the things that people really gravitate towards that you speak about? And let's dive into this micro step space that you take. Yeah. And like super peak performance, high achieving, optimize your life people. And I'm one of them really hate this because the solution to whatever you're stuck with is to make it smaller. Our brains are not wired for big changes. Like you're trained, you're fit. You can go up a 14 or no problem. If you took me on one right now, I would puke and pass out. And cause I'm not trained to do that. And so when it comes to getting fit, getting our finances in order, building a business, whatever these things that we want to do, we try to take these big giant steps. New year's resolutions are the perfect example of this, right? Like we do not want intensity. James Clear talks about this. Consistency trumps intensity every time. Our brains are wired for teeny, not even baby steps, micro-sized yeses. So like, forget about taking a walk after work, put your shoes by the door, look at them, and then go watch TV. And then the next day, put on the left one, then take it off and go back to the couch and watch TV. Everyone says the same thing. How am I supposed to get anywhere if I'm taking steps this small? And it's like, well, number one, you're going to get where you want to go a lot faster doing micro yeses than trying to take big giant steps and finding that completely unsustainable, which it is. Entire industries are built upon our inability to sustain big giant steps. And second of all, the pace that you start at is not the pace that you stay at. We Mm -hmm. get out of the start and everyone knows that once I'm at the gym, I'm fine. It's just getting myself there. Micro yeses get you from start to mile one. Once you're at mile one, momentum takes over and then you're good. But we need to stop focusing on mile 25 at the starting gate. To get from the starting gate to the mile one place where energy kicks in, we've got to make it smaller. Stupid small, smaller than small. The easiest possible, a micro yes is the easiest thing you can say yes to right now. Not next year, not after you get the good shoes or the special pens, but like right now. That's uh, brilliant because I use that metaphor when I am climbing mountains with my clients. So when we go down into the Grand Canyon, we talk about that. You know, every single yes, every single micro step that you take gets you to that end zone, that end space. But you can't like, I think that you're right. We we focus so much on, okay, but five years from now, 10 years from now, do you do goals? Do you do goal setting? I set them and forget them, but yes. <laughs> I set them and forget them. Mm-hmm. I do. You really like, you just like, but you set them. I set them. And then I, and again, this is all atomic habits, James Clear stuff. 
Mm-hmm. I wish I came up with this, but I did not. And he said it, um, build systems, forget about setting right. goals, build systems. So yeah, I have my goals. I right. want to write a book. I want to do a thing. I want to do this. That's my goal. Great. Put it aside. What's the system? How am I going to habit stack? What things do I need to do to my life to make it as easy as humanly possible? Because our brains like autopilot and it's either going to go on autopilot in the direction that we don't want, or it's going to go on autopilot in a direction that we program it to. So I've sort of, you sort of can hack your environment to make it easier to create a system. But yeah, if you just focus on goals, the the dopamine you get from dreaming about your goals is going to get depleted and you need that dopamine to go do the thing. So set the goal, forget the goal, create a system that gets you to the goal. And then you don't have to think about it anymore. How did you, how did you come up with this, the book, the title, how did you come up with this? So this is really funny. So my, my speaking agent, Kelly Vajorseth, before she was my agent, we were just chatting and networking and she's like, oh, tell me about your work. And I started talking and I'm like, you know what? Like simply put, I help people with the science of stuck. And she's like, oh my God, that would be such a great book title. (laughs) And then all of these years later, we circled back. I'm like, Hey Kelly, remember me? You gave me the inspiration to come up with my book title. It just popped out of my mouth when I was trying to create an elevator spiel for what I do. (laughs) Are you looking to bring a little more happiness into your life or want to learn how to step outside your comfort zone? Guess what? Our digital downloadable programs are only $39 just for a limited time. Go grab Unstuck and Free, How to Live Outside Your Comfort Zone, filmed in the mountains of Southern California, Mount Baldy to be exact, my favorite mountain, or go grab Seven Steps to Happiness. This is filmed on the High Sierra Loop in Yosemite National Park. Incredible, incredible visuals. These programs will take you to that next step and rise you into living your best life. Use the coupon code LIVEBOLDLY at checkout, L-I-V-E-B-O-L-D-L-Y. Go grab them, sarahshiltoncrans.com, underneath more and digital programs. Well, but that's amazing. That's how I actually came up with Make Bold Moves, literally. Really? Yeah, totally. I was sitting I was sitting in meetings with people at Impact 11 and they're like, well, what, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, well, I do this, da, 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 da. I'm like, well, like I make, you know, bold moves. Like this is what I do. They're, they're, you make really bold moves. That's what, have you trademarked that? I'm like, not yet, but I will this afternoon. And literally that's how I did it. And I think people need to hear that. And here's why. Okay, can we just please everybody grab your like grab your freaking pen and write this down. Stop making things so difficult. Like stop making things so difficult because they're right smack dab in front of us so often and we don't even see them because we are like looking so far ahead that we don't see that this next step that we need to take is actually already right there or we've already taken it, right? It's like it's right there. And it, like I'm I'm coming up with this little alliteration as you're talking. I really like talking to you. My brain is so much sharper in these conversations. Um, If you focus on the finish line or you focus on the feelings, you're effed, F-F-F. Don't focus on the finish line. You know where you're going. You don't need to see it. It's out there. Focus on right now. Don't worry about how you feel. You don't need to feel motivation to get started. Like we chase the feeling of feeling like it. And yep. motivation kicks in after you get momentum, not before, unless you're very, very fortunate, in which case I salute you, but don't wait to feel motivated. You don't need to feel like it to do it. You don't. And that's why you have to make it so small because you need to make it small enough that even on your biggest, I don't want to do things day, you can still get it done. 
And then you stack your yeses, which then allows you to do bigger things, but no feelings, no finish lines, set it and forget it. It's so crazy. It's so crazy that here, your, your book title came from that. Mine Mm -hmm. came from this. I mean, I remember when I did my Ted talk, I didn't even know I was going to be doing my Ted talk. It was just like, I know it's just, it's, this is the thing though, is that I think that we get so tripped up on our own steps, whatever they are, including the ones that sometimes we feel like they're taking us backwards when actually they're taking us forwards, right? We get so tripped up on it. And it's like, stop focusing on that fear and start thinking about just taking that really micro step in your life right now. And the to add to that, not just taking the step, but being ridiculous in your celebration of doing oh yes i was gonna actually so hello i have notes and that was Uh, like true and the word celebration is really problematic because we equate celebration with indulgence like oh i'm celebrating so i'm gonna eat all the things and drink all the things it's like that's not a celebration a celebration is anything that makes you feel more like yourself sometimes that might involve eating things or drinking things but when celebration becomes escapism it's no longer celebration then it's something totally different Okay. Hold, hold, hold. Everything needs to hear that. When celebration becomes escapism, that's not celebration. It has stopped being what it was intended to be. So celebration shouldn't make you feel like crap the next morning. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Keep going. Sorry. I'm really big on that. It's like, I don't want to celebrate because I don't want to, no, no, no. A celebration at its basic is just you acknowledging you did a thing. So if you put your left sneaker on and then go back to your couch not only do you, can you not be like, well, what's the point? This is all uh, uh, you negate the benefit of your micro. Yes. If you beat yourself up for doing it, you have to micro. Yes. And then you bank the win by celebrating it. You don't have to do anything crazy. You just pat yourself on the back. Yay. I did a thing. High five yourself, like whatever. But if you do not celebrate your micro yeses, you're not banking them and they will. I'm doing these micro yeses. Why aren't they working? Well, you're beating the crap out of yourself every time you do one. When you beat yourself up, your brain releases cortisol, which then stresses you out, which then creates fight, flight, freeze, which then creates more stuckness. So it's not just be self-compassionate and be nice to yourself. It's there are powerful chemical changes that happen when you honor what you're doing, even by going, yay, go me. Um, I just was on a call right before this with somebody that is interested in going on a retreat. And I did that with her. I said, celebrate yourself for even getting into my calendar and for stepping up and saying, okay, I want to ask about this. I want to possibly go on this. I said, it's those littlest of things that create the biggest results. Yes. Yeah. And like, use the good candles, use the good dishes, wear the good jewelry. My husband, he's, he's a Navy officer and an engineer. And he's very like, he was a little baffled by the wait, you're ordering DoorDash donuts because you're celebrating that your laundry made it from washer to dryer to closet. I love this story. He's like, isn't that just what adults do? I'm like, oh, you're so cute, Pat Pat. Like, yeah, for for some people that stuff's easy, but for me with my history, putting the laundry in the machine and then in the dryer and then putting it away in the same three hours is a big deal. So yeah, I'm going to DoorDash Dunkin' Donuts and be super happy. I'm not going to DoorDash all of them, but I'm going to DoorDash like two of them in a coffee. 
um, that's the kind of thing, because then you create a neural pathway in your brain that says, oh, we like this. We got a reward for this. More of this. Yes, please. So celebrate the stupid stuff and do it all day long. It doesn't make it less special when you bring celebration as a ritual part of just your day to day. He's into it now, but it took a minute. Well, yeah, because you also started ordering him a donut. <laughs> I would be too. <laughs> like, oh yeah, I could just celebrate with her with donuts. Like, this is awesome. <laughs> with no shame. And it's not about ego and it's not about arrogance, right? I'm not getting out loud going, I'm better than you because I'm saying, wow, peak performance for me on that day was getting my laundry done and taking a shower. Peak performance for me on a different day might be doing some big athletic thing or doing some big work thing. But peak performance is not a steady state either. It's what is it for you today? If it's put your shoes on and then go back to bed, then celebrate that because for you, for today, that is peak performance. And then tomorrow, having celebrated it today, maybe you could do something more. But being mean to ourselves doesn't work. It would I wouldn't have a job as a therapist if that works. We're all experts at that. Well, and you know, I think that's also why I love the Impact Eleven community. Like, okay, let's just like give them a little bit of a of a of a nod here because it also introduced us together. I think that having that community and that space of also understanding that there are other people like you that I I personally I love I love vibe and high. I love vibe and high. I now that I had a taste of it after having my low lows, I'm like, yes, please, more of this. And I also recognize and understand that I cannot be and sustain at that 100% of the time. I just can't. I would love to, my body, my mind, my spirit, my emotional state, it's I'm human, right? And I think that sometimes we expect that of ourselves and because we do, we crave, we want so much more of it. And it's like, I do, I want to be on the stages with like thousands and thousands and thousands of people and having that impact that I impact 12, 13, 14, 15, right? Like I want that and I crave it so bad, not for me. And it's not an ego state for me. And I'm sure you can relate in some spaces as well. It's because you, you've experienced it. You know what it is to be at that space of freedom, right? From so much in life. You've, you've experienced, for me, it's being on top of that summit, that mountain summit and seeing what's possible or, you know, riding next to a whale and having this deeper connection with life that you never imagined was possible. And so when I'm, when I'm, when I'm wanting more and more of that and I'm like, God, I just want to vibe that high all the time. And also understanding that it's impossible. You literally cannot. You also have to have that time of and experience those moments of, you know, sometimes it's low sometimes. And I don't even want to say it's low. It's like this, I don't know. It's this like retreatness sometimes for myself as well. And I love the high state too. The shifting, which is how our bodies and brains are primed to shift between states. I don't want to do it. And you talked about menopause. If you're talking a hormonal cycle, if you're menstruating, you are strongest during your ovulation phase. And then uh, while you know, you're know you luteal or having your period, it's just like, I can't even lift my, my head up off of a pillow and I want to cry all day. We're supposed to be shifting between states all of the time at every phase of life. And I really wrestled with that. I want to be peak performance all day, every day, okay, every day. Okay, yeah. great. That's the recipe for burnout. Mm-hmm. And so how, how much am I going to fight this? And I did when I went hard 
into recovery as I did into addiction and burnt myself out and got really sick and knocked myself out of the game for a year that it took me to recover from being sick. And it's like, okay, I accept, I surrender. I am in a human body, which means I have to shift and honor, like you said, not the low, but honor the rest as part yeah. of the thing that allows, you know, it's all valuable and you can't do one without the other. Well, and there's celebration in that. I think that also there's celebration in understanding that we do have cycles, right? And I think that so often we don't we don't celebrate that enough. And we just assume or we make this like we put ourselves into this space of like expectation that is unrealistic and it does cause us to sometimes fall flat on our face. <laughs> just going to state it. If that's why community, like you were saying, is so important. Is important. Like yeah. you need to, ha- I have my micro yes friends on standby and they're the people I can text the stupid little things that I would never put on my Instagram. Like, Hey, guess what I did today? I brushed my teeth and flossed. And then I didn't do anything else the rest of the day. And they're like, yeah, you go queen hashtag slay. But like, you need to have your people that you can do micro yesing with so you can share in that. And so that they can help you recognize a win is a win is a win. And a win at the micro level will get you to the wins at the macro level. Like you cannot have one without the other. And then learning to celebrate all of the things. Cause we're not, we celebrate weddings and we celebrate babies and that's it. And like graduation from high school and college, that's it. Like what the heck? Like there are so many, and those things are wonderful and I'm not diminishing them, but there are so many more things that we need to learn and be willing without shame to be like, yeah, I'm going to have a dinner to celebrate the promotion, or I'm going to have a thing to celebrate that I did this thing or did this project or whatever, but it doesn't turn people into indulgent hedonistic jerks to celebrate. Again, authentic celebration makes you feel more like yourself and people who are connected to themselves don't act like jerks. I love this conversation so much. (laughs) So glad that we met. Do you, let me ask you something. So I have found that the more unstuck that I have become and the more that I have stepped into this version of who I was intended all along, as I like to state, the more that I have stepped into my gifts, the more that I have really honored who I am, every version of me, every freaking version of me, the more that I have become unstuck, the more that I have also, how do I say very politely, had people in my life um, not understand and perhaps fall by the wayside. That's diplomatic. <laughs> That's the most diplomatic way I can think of to say that. Way of saying, <laughs> it was, uh, I, I wish someone had told me when I started, and I'm glad you said this, that not everyone is going to celebrate you becoming the most you, which no, is, hell no. Get which ready is, for it. <laughs> I had so many more friends when I was an addicted, just disaster of a human in early recovery. It was like, I'm so excited. And now I know what a boundary is and why they're important. And now like I'm not doing X and Y, where'd all my people go? Like where'd all my friends go? And every iteration that you expand is going to require a loss, which is why we need to grieve because every change, even a great change is going to require the loss of something or someone. And that's, I didn't know that that was like normal. Like, yeah, watch how fast the people who are not committed to themselves and being the closest they can to themselves are going to be 
not about what you're doing. And that's a bummer, but that's why we got to hold grief and joy, grief and gratitude, grief and anger, grief and celebration all at the same time. They can all coexist. Have you felt, have you had the same thing with family? I think this is an important time to discuss this because we are in the holidays and mm. uh, just stating it because <laughs> it, it, oh my. a lot of us are with families, right? And I think that this is, I'm I'm actually speaking with Dr. Sandra Brown uh, this afternoon. Do you know who she is? She wrote um, Women Who Love Psychopaths and in, we're having the... <laughs> Both of our hands are up for those of you that don't see this. We both experienced it. Um, and I'm I'm going to be touching on this with her as well. You know, do you, do, have you found that it's been hard? I, and I really do want to like, I really do want to have a very serious conversation for a second about this because I have found that it's been hard for some of my family members to you know, see this, like this side, right. Of like, who the, who is that? Like, what is she, why is she doing this? Why is she climbing mountains? What is she doing out there? Why is she starting this business? How is she helping others when she's lived through so much? Um, have you experienced this? I mean, we need another 5,000 hours on this, but it's, it's really unfortunate that for many people, myself included, that the people that we want the most desperately to love us well, our immediate family or extended family are not always, but often the people who are the least willing. Mm -hmm. And I beat my head on the wall for years. Like maybe this time, maybe this time, you know, and I, I loved psychopaths and dated really, really problematic people. And that's diplomatic largely because of the patterns installed by my family of origin. That Mm -hmm. was a bummer. I'm like, wait, I picked these people because I learned it from those people. And it really was a reckoning of you can't change. People will do what they're going to do. And I thought, surely if I become an expert in therapy, I'm a psychotherapist. Like I'm an expert at what I do. Surely they'll listen to my very wise knowledge that I have. And it doesn't always happen. And again, we're not taught that grief is not just for the dead. Sometimes the hardest grief is for people that are a phone call away that are just not willing to see you, to know you, to make space for the you that you've become. And it's tragic. And the faster that I learned to take my hands off that particular wheel and let it be what it was, the faster I could build relationships with my chosen family, the people who will embrace me, who will love me well. Um, And it's like, you don't ever get over that. I'm not like, yay, I have estranged relations with my family, but it's, I'm not mad. I, I, it's just what it is. And I'm putting my energy. You only have so many energy units. Yes, I'm not going to spend them in that place anymore because there's no return whatsoever. I'm going to spend my energy units where I can be of service and be in reciprocal relationships. But grief is the medicine we're looking for at the holidays. And the solution to holiday angst is grief. And that's a hard sell that will sell no units of anything, but it is true. The solution to all the and holidays for a therapist is like tax season for an accountant. My phone blows up from November to January because it's hard. It's the expectation reality gap is where anxiety and depression and overwhelm and burnout and stress live. And you close the expectations reality gap by grieving, which means this is what it is. Yeah. 
It is, it is, and and I and I and I do want to touch on that because I think that we so often forget, like we have this like expectation that oh, our families are just going to understand this, or those closest to us are just going to understand this, and just remember that they're on their own journey too. And this is where for me the shift came in. Wait a second, they're how they're perceiving me, or how they're want how they're wanting to see me. That's not on me. Like that's their journey, right? And so I know that if I can flip it back into they've been on this journey, they're doing the best that they can at this moment for where they're at right now. And I can make that choice, that independent choice to rise into this space. It's okay. It's okay. I can still also love, right? Detach with love and love. And for the people that can't access love, neutrality is fine too. And that's something, you know, we don't want to be living in like the anger place, but this emphasis on it's the holidays and they're your family forgive that does keep a lot of us stuck. It's like, what if you neither had to forgive nor blame? What if you could get to neutral where it is what it is, what happened, happened, wish the best for the people holds no ill will, but I'm also not giving them real estate in the love and forgiveness and compassion place. It's just, it's net neutral and neutral doesn't get enough airtime. Neutral is a beautiful place to get to because it's Mm -hmm. a real place and you can stay in neutral as long as you want. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad we touched on that though, because it is such a big part of getting unstuck too, because we sometimes think, okay, I'm, I need to be able to change this or I need to be able to, uh, whatever it is. Like, I, I don't want to get uns- too far unstuck because that means I'm going to lose all these different people in my life. And then, you know what I mean? Like there's all of these different, these different things that come into it, into play. And a lot of it is our external also holding in this, as in this space of, being stuck because we don't want to hurt other people or we don't want to, whatever it is. And it's true. Like often you getting unstuck will mean that you lose everybody you care about, like just to not put sugar on it. Like that's not true for everybody, but it's not uncommon that if you get unstuck, you will threaten relationships and upset the apple cart and you will lose a lot of things, but there's a big yes, but there's more. And you get to build things that aren't counterfeit. You get to build things that'll stand. You get to build things that'll sustain. So it's not just, I lose all my people and story. It's, I lose all my people. And that's very sad. And that becomes the fertilizer for the life that I would not trade for anything. That is so good. We build something that's not counterfeit. That's our own. So I come to you and I'm like, Hey, Britt, I want to, Oh gosh, I'm just thinking about my own life right now and something that I want to do. I want to put all my stuff in storage and I know I can do it. And I want to travel the world for a year and write my next book. What would you say to me if I was like, and I have all these reasons sitting on my shelf not to do this? Are any of those reasons real? I mean, some of them, I'm going to miss my kids right? Like some of them, some of them are real reasons where I'm like, well, what if I, what if I miss my kids along the way? Or what if like, I have all those, you know, now understand, I already know I'm going to do this. So whatever. We can play, we can play with this. We're role playing here. So this is like, this is where the business people and the therapy people really need to be taking meetings together because this one, you start with a cost. If you were a therapy client and this is what you came to me with, I'd say, get out a piece of paper. Let's do a cost benefit analysis. Every single thing, what's the cost, what's the benefit. And when the benefit column is, you know, weightier than the cost column, you'll do it. 
But that's a skill that no one thinks to apply to their choices. It's like, you're going to miss your kids. That's a real, that's a real thing. Great. What's the cost? You know, if you knew that, you know, in after a month that your kid was going to move to Mars and that you wouldn't be able to see him again, that might inform your choices differently than, you know, my kids at college for the next 10 years and is having their own adventure or whatever, but count the cost, count the benefit. And then if you're still feeling stuck, then we micro yes that all the way down to the most minutia. Let's also not forget that the benefits can be benefits that you're not recognizing at this moment. True. So this is, and this is, this is huge because I know in my own life that making some of those huge, bold decisions and moves, like literally selling my house and, you know, moving across the street with my boys, it was a huge cost. It was a huge cost. The benefits far outweighed. And I didn't even know that some of these benefits were going to be coming down the pike until I started seeing them. Like um, the modeling of the fact that life isn't materialistic, the modeling of getting closer as a little family unit in 800 square feet versus 4,200 square feet, the modeling of, you know, as my one son said, why am I always late? And I'll never forget my other son saying, dude, you can see the back of the house from the front. There is no reason for that, but your own choice. You know, like, like it's those little things. Like I remember those moments so clearly now, and I would never have had them had I not actually made that first uh, choice to do it. But those are benefits that I had no idea were even going to come up. Yeah. Oh, so many places we can go with that. I know. I know. So good. So good. So good. And I do know that we do need to jump off in just a moment. I want you to give our listeners any last moments of Gosh, any last moments of advice or thoughts or just like things that are coming to your surface right now where we haven't spoken on yet? Yeah. And this one I can do quickly. The three, I call it the three steps to unstuck. This is my little sticky thing, but it's true. And I'm a therapist telling you, don't start with why. No disrespect to Simon Sinek. I love start with why. I love his work. He's a genius. And when you're not talking about business development, when you're talking about a habit or a pattern or an addiction or a way when you're stuck in the mud, starting with why is the worst possible idea? Why is the building on fire is not the question to ask when the building is on fire. Get out of the building. We'll ask why later. So I'm a therapist whose career is based on the why telling you step one, don't ask why. We'll figure out why once you get moving. Step two, make a list of three micro yeses that are available to you right now. Not on the wish list. What are three actual micro yeses that you could conceivably do? Step three, pick one, do it, and then celebrate it. So step one, don't ask why. Step two, pick three. Step three of those three, do one, celebrate it. That will get you unstuck. Love, love, love this. God, I love this. Will you come back on another time? Anytime. Oh my gosh. Can so we, like, much. Jam yes. again? Can we jam yes. again? Anytime. So, so freaking good. And there's so many directions that we could obviously go into. Where can people find you? Find me on Instagram at Brit Frank, my website, scienceofstuck.com. And you can buy the book wherever you buy books. Please do everyone, because it's amazing. You're amazing. And I'm super stoked to actually know you and to be in this community with you. Thank you so much. This was so fun. You're incredible. You're incredible. All right, everybody, (laughs) make sure that you go back, listen again, share, do all the things and let's get this out there because there need to be more. There has to be more people out there getting unstuck every single day to make the most bold moves forward. All right, girl, on to the next meeting, as we all say, right? Thank you for listening to the Live Boldly podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'm grateful to have you here. 
I believe in you, I believe in us, and always will. Life can get hard, but I promise you, on the other side, it's glorious. I'd love to invite you over to sarahsholtenkranz.com to receive five free meditations recorded by me or download your free guide on how nature is your perfect healing therapy. My site has many free resources to guide you on your life journey, many that I used myself while on my road from victim to thriver. And also, please, I ask that you share my podcast with those who may need inspiration, information, or who need to hear from others going through where they are right now. To grow this podcast, please leave an iTunes review and subscribe. Go find it on other platforms such as iHeartRadio, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Please also go to my Instagram or Facebook page, leave a message in my comments, and tell me what you think of this episode. Please share in your stories and tag me. I'd love to reshare and celebrate your healing journey. I love hearing from each one of you. Let's keep the ripple going. It begins with each one of us. I love you and have a great day. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.